All episodes of It's Great Business reflect the views and opinions of Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group and its guests and do not reflect the official policy or guidance of employers or government entities. You're listening to It's Great Business, sponsored by Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, where great business equals great people. Welcome to another episode of It's Great Business, and I'm Janice Berg-Levy. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Chris Goodman. I'm going to turn it over to Chris and let him tell you a little bit about his career and uh, what he's been doing. Thank you, Janice. Uh, I'm excited to be with you guys today, so thanks so much for inviting me. Where to begin? Without kind of dialing it back too, too far, though it may seem that way, for a number of years, kind of coming out of high school and going into college, I had aspirations of playing professional baseball. So I pursued that in a variety of different ways, which also led me to a couple different colleges along the way. I started at Virginia Tech, and then I transferred to a community college, and then I finished up at Cornell and ended up playing baseball into my 40s. So while I never made the major, league, uh, major leagues with that, the next best thing for me clearly was a career in marketing. So that's what I embraced upon. I went back to graduate school at Columbia and was kind of laser focused on going straight through. I felt I knew what I wanted to do, didn't need a break for an internship because I either wanted to work in management consulting or in marketing with a Pepsi or a Procter or one of those big firms. So went straight through. A semester before I graduated, I ran into a friend of mine who graduated a semester before me in Manhattan, and I, I asked him where he ended up. And he shared with me that he was working at an ad agency, and I was kind of perplexed. And he said, no, you should actually, you should talk to these folks. He said, because it's the strategy work that you like from a management consultancy. And perhaps some of the most interesting things from a brand marketing role is the creative and you get to do both. So candidly, more than anything to maybe get them off my back a little bit, I agreed to, uh, to interview there. Mm-hmm. And uh, much to my surprise and delight, uh, I blinked and worked there for over 20 years. And that was with Young and Rubicam one of the biggest global ad agencies in the world, now part of the WPP uh, world, and just had a great time there. I I ran a lot of big global and domestic accounts across a bunch of countries and a bunch of different disciplines, advertising, digital PR events, launched a digital agency while I was there, sat on the global board while I was there, and just had a, a wonderful, wonderful time in the advertising world. Had a few opportunities over the years to consider some client-side roles and and ultimately did so and went to work for a client of mine, which was Anderson Consulting and then Accenture, one of the many fine places that we got to work together as well. Exactly, exactly. That's when our world started to uh, overlap. That's right. And I had the good fortune of working together with with you there and was the CMO of their communications and high-tech group and did that for a few years, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. After that, I moved to IMG, which was uh, the largest sports and entertainment agency in the world. And there I I ran their global consulting group, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And after that, ended up going to to KPMG, where initially I'd heard about the role, wasn't sure if it was the perfect role for me. And one of the first meetings I had was with then chairman of KPMG, and he and I just hit it off kind of personally and professionally. And the more people I met, the more I enjoyed it. Uh, and blinked and worked there for over nine years. So those are a couple of stops along the way from Major League Baseball to grad school to both agency consulting and client side and just a wonderful career in marketing that uh, continues today. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think, Chris, um, you know that we've got listeners who are in the complete spectrum of their career from those starting out, some that are in the middle, and some are sort of figuring out that next, what's, what are you going to do? And you've been a phenomenal mentor to me for many years. And so I thought that some of the wisdom that you have provided to me could be of value to, to these folks. So are there any kind of um, North Star guideposts that you use as you're looking for opportunities and looking at you know, what you're going to do next in your own career or, or when you look back at what you have done? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I um, have the good fortune over the years with different companies I've worked with and also personally to spend a lot of time with various universities. And part of the roles that I play with those schools, and it's been Villanova and Cornell, a little bit with Georgetown as well, is speak with the students. And I love talking to the students for a whole host of reasons, much of which is around them not knowing what they want to be when they grow up. And And what I try to assure them is saying, you know, I don't know either. There are very few people that actually do, but I think there are certain qualities that you want to look for. And whether you're coming out of college or you've been working for 10, 20, or 30 years, I think a lot of these things really kind of apply. And as, as I also look at my next role, these are things that are kind of front and center for me. So part of it sounds a little cliche, but it's kind of a life is good uh, kind of borrow from those folks. And Janice knows I'm kind of a crazy eternal optimist with, uh, with my outlook, but they have this kind of notion of kind of life is too short. So kind of do what you love and love what you do. And I think if you can find something where your professional interest and background and skills and expertise can kind of overlap with things that you enjoy personally, then that's kind of a wonderful, you know, uh, opportunity and role to, to be in. And it's not always perfect. Some are better than others, but I think keeping that as a North Star the other thing, there are certain qualities, I think, in a role in a company that I think you want to look for uh, in no particular order. One is that there's a clear strategy, business strategy, and a growth strategy for the firm. Two, that they've got a strong leadership team, and whether that's the board, the executive team, people you report to, the culture, the chemistry, the values, the purpose of the organization, I think are critically important maybe a little bit more parochially when you think about what you do. So in my world, it's kind of marketing, maybe communications, business development, but that those areas are considered central and important to the firm in terms of their growth strategy so that they view it as kind of a key driver of what you know, their success will be. So you spend your time, hopefully a disproportionate amount crafting and developing programs as opposed to justifying your role in your department internally. And then finally, I think uh, a learning culture, right? I think if you end up being in a role for whatever period of time and you start to get kind of you know, antsy about it or too comfortable, I think that's kind of a warning sign. And the fact that you can continually learn new things, challenge yourself, and whether that's within the firm, different departments, outside learning, seminars, events, networking, those are really important. So kind of do what you love and love what you do strong leadership team, growth strategy, culture and purpose, making sure that whatever function you sit in is key to the role of the firm. And that learning piece, I think, is important. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think this is a theme that's coming through in this entire series, which is um, exactly that, you know, be very specific, very thoughtful about what you are looking for and your own purpose, which then helps you best identify the company that you choose to work for. 
I'm going to switch for a second here and just talk a little bit about success. All right. So as we sort of look in the rearview mirror and we look at first how we might have once defined success and now how you define it today, is it the same? Is it different? Yeah, I, th I think it's evolved, you know, over time uh, in a number of different ways. And hopefully that's part of kind of continually growing and learning and things like that. I mean, candidly, coming out of school, you know, unlike if you had kind of a laser focus where you were going into medicine or law or the path is not that it's by any means easy, but it's a little clearer in terms of what you want to do. The mixed blessing of a marketing degree is you can go into a million different directions, as opposed to if you wanted to be an accountant, there's, you know, it's again, it's not better or worse. It's just, it's just different. But I would say that kind of coming out of school, candidly, like a lot of students, I interviewed with a lot of different companies. I was hoping to get at least one offer. And it was hopefully in an area that I was interested in, but it was as much about getting that first job and making a little bit of money because I had student loans and other things to pay back. So it was more about just getting an offer, getting a little bit of money, which I had only been, it's been, it had been going in one direction for many years. And, you know, that was it. And maybe some of the other things were a little bit secondary. I think over the years, it was a lot more, not that compensation wasn't important. I think candidly, it, unless someone's independently wealthy, um, it always is, but it's a little bit more black and white. You understand minimally what you're going to need in a, in a role. And obviously, if you can make more than that, that's, that's fantastic. So it's always important, but it's a little bit more binary. Things like the purpose and culture of a company, the people you're going to work with, the learning environment, the, you know, how your role is respected and your function respected in the firm. Those are things to me that almost trump industry. So I want to find those in industries that I enjoy. But by the same token, there are some industries that have been surprising to me, but that I've seen people like that that I really enjoyed. I remember back in my advertising days, you know, people would talk about, well, what account would you like to work on next? Because you'd rotate a lot. And at one point there was a dog food account. And I'm like, candidly, I, I do Dogs are great. I don't have a dog. I don't know that it's most interesting, <laughs> but the people that were working on that account creatively, strategically, from a research standpoint, et cetera, were brilliant. And they said, those are the people that you want to work with because that's who you're going to learn from. So the account, sometimes the industry, it's great when it works together, but it's a, it's about the people. So I think it's, it's shifted over the years. And as I look at my next role, I'm much more open to industry as long as some of those other criteria are in place. You're echoing what so many others in past episodes um, have said, as well as what I believe, is that there is a shift occurring. And I don't know if it's a more of a demographic. It has something to do with kind of where we are in our careers. But I do hear this also from those that are just starting out, that people is a, the part of it, of the equation that is enormously important. And uh, I would say that like you, you know, salary was, you know, get the money, go to the next job. Right. And I first started out for, for all the obvious reasons, but I think that um, people are just more conscious of the time that we have, the limited time that we have and how we spend it, whether it's with our loved ones or in a, in a profession, a career. So um, you, when you kind of look back on your career at this point, not that you're finished yet, but is there anything you've done, you would have done differently in your life's journey? Other than having someone make a different decision about the professional baseball piece, that would have been great. <laughs> I mean, love marketing, but um, 
I am only like 15 minutes from Yankee Stadium, so that that wouldn't have been horrible. Um, <laughs> you know what? I got to tell you, it's 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 funny. I I don't know that there's anything that kind of jumps out to me necessarily. Some of what I've done has been by design over the years, and some has been kind of a little bit of luck and good fortune. And usually, it's a, a combination of those two. I've tried to. It's kind of one of those things that I've also learned. I think over the years, rightly or wrongly, but it's worked for me, was to look at my career in kind of three-year kind of segments. So not that you wouldn't have maybe a longer term, someone wants to be the CEO or they want to do this, that, which is, which is wonderful. But in the world that we live in, trying to figure out what you're doing tomorrow, let alone what you're doing five years from now is difficult. So I would think about kind of three-year uh, segments and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning the role and hopefully I'm contributing and I'm working with the team and we're putting some ideas in place and they're, and they're taking hold. And then after three years, because I was also concerned that I didn't want to kind of rest on my laurels, maybe it was adding to my role, maybe it was doing a different role. So it wasn't necessarily moving companies, but trying to keep my role fresh as I could. And I think that was something that was, you know, that was really helpful for me. I didn't really think about that that much early on. I think the other thing maybe is that the, and it seems very cliche and easy to say, the power of networking in so many different ways. And and whether it's because you're, you know, looking for a role, whether it's because you're trying to stay connected with friends, because you're trying to help other people, you're trying to learn. There's a whole bunch of different reasons for it. And I found that, you know, some people are natural born networkers. Right. Some are more introverted. But what it does do is you have to be intentional about it. And it does take some time. And whether it's past colleagues, whether it's classmates, whether it's alumni, whether it's, you know, events, obviously digital and and in-person associations that you're part of, but really being intentional and saying, hey, you know what, once a week, I'm making that up. I'm going to try to have a lunch with someone. I'm going to do a Zoom with someone. I'm going to go to a conference. That networking, if you will, it's only going to help you over the years and hopefully people that you network with, right? Because all of a sudden you're sharing a common problem and maybe you can help somebody else. So it's not always a a one-way street and hopefully, and sometimes it's just to catch up to see how someone's doing. But I think that not only the power and the value of networking, but the notion of making it intentional and doing it over the course of your career is only going to help you, you know, and, and that's something that can't start early. And it starts in your high school years and may start more with family and friends, but whether it's people's on, on teams or activities or clubs, I mean, there's a million different ways to do it but it's critical in so many different ways. So I think that three-year kind of a time frame, as well as the power and approach to networking is something that I've learned a lot more that I just didn't really fully understand. But particularly, again, when I'm on campus, I try to stress both of those with, with students because you can't start early enough. I, I agree. And it was uh, early in the career for me as well that I learned that very quickly. And so it was just fascinating over the years like you uh, how often that network paid off, uh, just as you described where we first met and then my ending up at KPMG. So it isn't always going to result in a, in a job directly with that person. But what, what I am finding now with the power of social media is that we're introducing each other to other people. So these networks are just growing by leaps and bounds because of those connective points. So we're going to switch here a little bit to some fun facts uh, about Chris, so our I'm listeners can okay. <laughs> so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Um, so we're going to start with the first one: person you admire the most. 
kind of going back a long time ago was Bill Bradley. And I think for those that remember, Bill was uh, a Princeton Rhodes Scholar. He was on the championship teams of the New York Knicks back in the 70s, if anyone can remember when they actually were, had a good team or won a championship, and then also became a state senator and was um, thought for a while to potentially run for president. And, you know, kind of growing up being kind of a crazy sports person, you, people would always get kind of characterized as they're either really good at sports and they're kind of the dumb jock or, hey, that person's really bright, but they're a nerd and they can't do anything else. And to me, he was always one of those people that I liked putting aside politics, whether you agree or disagree with, with the politics, but you had a very bright, capable, accomplished person uh, from an academic standpoint, from a business standpoint, from a political standpoint that also excelled in sports. And there were a lot of things in terms of work ethic, dedication, goal setting, things like that, that I thought that he did that I, I found very kind of inspiring. So it's tough because there's a ton of different people, including family members and others. So I don't mean to exclude anyone. So it's tough to say just one, but th that's one that comes to mind. That's great. Favorite book. Book. Now, this is kind of cool because I, I have interest, like lots of folks in a lot of different areas. And I love biographies and I love uh, mysteries and I love sports books. I like business and kind of self-improvement books. I would say, and this is a nod to my IMG days, was uh, a book written by Mark McCormick, who many was the founder and CEO for many years, uh, 50, I believe, until he passed away, of IMG. And he wrote a book, What They Don't Teach You at Harvard Business School, Lessons from a Street Smart Business uh, Executive. It's a book you could probably read in an hour or two. Some of these things are, are like, wow, you know what? I knew that, but I hadn't thought of it. They're just really smart kind of business lessons, and it's written in kind of a very kind of easy style. But there are lots of things there that I think help people when they're starting out in their career or kind of more advanced in their career. And it was just kind of a fun book and written by the father of sports marketing also was kind of cool for me. That's an interesting one. I have to look at that one. It sounds very familiar. Your favorite movie or given where we are today, a streaming show or program? So I'll do the movie first, which is Casablanca. Love a lot of lot of different types of movies, but that one was always a big uh, was always a big fan of. So I love that and and watch that kind of once or twice a year. And I'd say from a streaming standpoint, like everybody else, I think I've consumed everything you know that that can't be moved. We've been you know all of a sudden you know crazy with the with the royal. So whether it was you know, looking at, and some of the shows from, from uh, across the pond, as they say. So whether it was Downton Abbey, whether it was the crown, you know, things like that, we've been, we've been watching those as well. So, you know, and, and everything from, you know, Tiger King when that was uh, kind of around. So we've been kind of soaking it all up as much as possible and getting uh, recommendations from friends and family. So I'm open to those as well. Okay. All right. There's, there's a slew of them. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite city. Mashpee, Massachusetts, which is on the Cape. And as a kid growing up, we uh, would travel a lot, pack everybody in our VW van and go camping and all these things all over the place, which was always a lot of fun. And we found Cape Cod many, many years ago and we'd go up there periodically. I still have a, a brother that lives not too far away. And my folks retired many years ago up to the Cape after living in New York for probably 50 years. And I just love it. It's just, it's laid back. I'm a kind of a beach kind of person. There's 
perhaps some of the best amateur baseball in the world there. They run road races up there where you get kind of world-class marathoners from around the world, but it's just, and you can just, you can wear flip-flops and you can go into restaurants and that's kind of just a nice, easy lifestyle that I really enjoy. Yeah. The whole flip-flop thing is just very important. Very important. That's exactly how I define life. Can <laughs> I wear my flip-flops? So anything else you want to share with our listeners a um, little bit around uh, maybe how they can reach you if they want to chat with you? Sure. I mean, I guess maybe kind of two things. I mean, I think, you know, you talk a lot about purpose and it's both from a corporate standpoint, it's from a personal standpoint, you know, you and I have chatted over time a little bit about Simon Sinek and the golden circle and things he, he's, he said there, which again, ex uh, advertising guy started at Ogilvy as a, as a planner. So kind of an interesting piece. I encourage people to take a look at that if they could. But I guess from a personal standpoint, understanding what's important to you, I think helps in life and whether it's on a personal or professional level is important. I think from, from my standpoint, and this has kind of evolved over the years, but I think, you know, I'm kind of a cup half full person. So kind of viewing the world with optimism, I try to see how I can inspire, motivate, help other people to achieve their goals, whether it's personally or professionally. So that's something that guides me and whether it's people that I work with, whether it's former colleagues, whether it's students on campus. So I think just kind of thinking through a little bit what your personal purpose is, I think helps. Again, it's helped me over the years. So I share that with those and to those that can help, um, you know, please try to do so. Um, and as far as getting in touch with me, I think probably the easiest way, like many, is just on LinkedIn. Just go to kind of Chris Goodman and you can uh, pick me up right there and you can um, either email me or shoot me a DM, you know, either way. And, you know, love to hear from you and help uh, if I can. Thank you so much, Chris. You are truly a wonderful person, an amazing professional and a dear friend. And I am sure our listeners would benefit from speaking to you. Well, Janice, thanks so much again for inviting me. I've been very blessed to, to know you, been able to work with you twice over the years, both at, at Accenture as well as KPMG, and very, very fortunate to call you a friend. So thank you so much for inviting me today. Thanks again for listening. Check out our next episode when I interview Shariar Beji and his global perspective on career and life in the Netherlands. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Also, check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And visit us on the web at intracoastalmarketingstrategy.com.